What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Forever Save Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Moyd. Um, today, 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 I think I want to talk about salvation. Uh, one, I just want to put it out there. I am 100% convinced um, through Scripture and through the Word that you cannot lose your salvation. And I think it's a very controversial topic within the church, and I think... And I have heard and have discussed many uh, verses and um, opinions of, of people who believe that um, a person can lose their salvation, a person can be a Christian and somehow end up being an unchristian or or being unsaved some type of way. And my simple answer has always been the people who are God's, are gods and the people who are not gods are not gods meaning people can pretend to be christian for some time and then when something happens um they have reason to um go away and do what they have already wanted to do in the first place which was um go away or give some reasoning why they believe that there's no god anymore or they no 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 longer believe in the uh in, in Jesus Christ or whatever the case may be, but there's there's an impossibility impossibility for you to uh, one one time really know the Lord and know God, and then later on don't know God as if He never existed or as if um, things were never um, things were never real. It's, it's, it's almost like somebody trying to convince you that, um, you know, this is for people who have a relationship with their mother that, um, yeah, you like basically one day, you know, that that's your mother. And then, you know, a couple years later, you feel like, well, that's not my mother anymore. Um, biology won't support that. And it just wouldn't be true. And you would still know your mother. You just probably don't don't want to deal with her anymore. Um, and the same thing with God. If you really knew God and if you really had a relationship with God, um, I'm just under, under the impression that it's impossible for you to uh, no longer have... Ha- it's impossible for you to believe that God no longer exists if you already had a real relationship with God. So with that being said... There's there's many verses, right? So there's many verses that people uh, talk about and bring up when it comes to this. Um, and I wanted to cover one of the most famous ones, in my opinion. Um, and famous meaning like the, the one I've heard before or many times, not to say that you have, but uh, it's one that, that comes up a lot. And, it, and it's, it's words of Jesus. And he was on the Sermon at the Mount and he was... Um, you know, given his 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 sermon, um, you know, telling the people of Israel uh, the different things that he felt like he needed to say at the time, um, and one of the things that comes up when it comes to people who uh, are un- are under are under the belief that you can lose your salvation, one of the the passages that come up is in Matthew seven. And um, I want to deal with that. But with that, I have 
verses that answer the questions that are given in Matthew 7. In particular, is Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. And Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, um, you know, it, it, Jesus says, says a lot. And he, he talks about the people who he would um, get rid of uh, towards the ending of time because they weren't his and they never knew him. Um, but based on what the people were saying, they were sounding like they were people who followed the Lord or sounding like people who, who, who were believers. Um, but scripture doesn't back that up. And, you know, actually the people who sang it, they're the ones that's claiming uh, their allegiance to the Lord. But God knows who really has a, an allegiance to him or not from the beginning. So anyway, so I want to get into it. And then you can tell me what you think, um, whether you're watching this um, on, on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast. Uh, you can comment on, on social media, um, on my preview clip, and, 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 and also on Facebook on the Forever Save. Um, so, so anyway, let's talk about it. So this is Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. So let me know if you heard this before. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now. What I what I want to use scripture for and to break down and to answer is the part where in verse 21, it says, but he who does the will of my father. And sometimes when we hear about like the will of the father it's it's like it's like. Uh, it's like something that's out there that we got to seek and find um, as if God didn't give us a explanation or give us what his actual will is and his will is pretty simple um it's not something that we have to go in and search for and like find and like go through stuff and pray for hours for god to reveal it to us his will his ultimate will for all of us is very very simple um so i want to get into that and after we get into the will i also want to talk about in verse 23 in particular, where it says, depart, from, no, it says, and, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So this is Jesus telling some, a group of people who's talking to him, he's telling them that he never knew, knew them. Um, and, and if you didn't know, when you see the word know or knew in the Bible, a lot of times, uh, when it comes to relationship, it's referring to some type of when it comes to a woman and, and man relationship is it's talking about the consummation of their their union or their marriage. And it's like an intimacy that is forged uh, because uh, once they have that, once you have the act of sex, um, you now know them. There's an intimacy that and a bond that's created. And a lot of times, especially in the New Testament, you, uh, Old Testament, you will hear, uh, you will read scriptures that says, um, and so-and-so knew her or 
um, so-and-so never knew her. And they were, they were basically saying these two people had sex, had sexual uh, intercourse, or these people didn't have sexual intercourse. So um, that's what solidified a marriage and solidified a union, the intimacy. Um, so anyway, but likewise, when if Jesus is to tell us that he never knew us, that means we never had this intimacy or, or a marriage bond. Um, but we should also know that uh, the way that it's described, when we have a relationship with God and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have an intimacy with him and we also become married to him because we are the bride of Christ. We're the bride. Um, and we have, we have that union that cannot be broken. Um, there's nothing that can break it because God made it that way. He, he uh, consummated us with him. And that is how we know we have a relationship. And that is how God knows us in that way. And obviously he knows everyone and knows about everyone. But there's a difference between people who accept what he did through Jesus Christ and the people who didn't. And that's the separation. So in this one, um, I've always heard like, okay, uh, you know, what about the people in Matthew 7 and, and those people, they were Christian and they were saying, Lord, Lord, haven't we done in, this in your name and this in your name? And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like these people were following God and, and whatever, and they got off track. And because they was off track, you know, God is going to ultimately tell them, I never knew you, like, get away from me. And it's, and I've always been scared of that passage, to be honest. And I, I'm not sure if any of you dealt with that but I, I know I have and I was just like man like shoot like I can be living and doing the right thing all my life and then all of a sudden God is gonna say I, I never knew you like like man that's pretty harsh like you I did all this and you gonna tell me you never knew me like never um so you know that was that was pretty troubling but when I found these other scriptures that we're about to get into um man it, it liberated me and I hope I hope it does the same for you. So let's answer this question. What is the will of God? What is the will? What does Jesus mean when he says those who do the will of my father? So what is the will of the father? All right, let's flip over to John chapter uh, six. And we're going to start and read from verse 37 through 40. And this is Jesus talking and he's explaining what the will of the father is. And like I told you, it's something as simple. It's not, it's not a mystery. Um, it's in, at the time, actually, uh, when he was speaking uh, the words in Matthew 7, it, it was a mystery to, to the Israelites. They, they, they foreknew and they were forewarned about a coming Messiah, but they didn't really know what it would entail and how it would happen. And they wasn't really sure yet. This person that's speaking is the promised person. So it was a mystery of some sort, but uh, Jesus spent his ministry revealing the ministry, the, the mystery and unveiling uh, some of the mystery. And later on, once he died and rose again, a lot more of the mystery was revealed through his apostles. Apostles, so let's read. All right, let's read verse. Uh, we in John chapter six, so let's read verse thirty-seven through forty. It says, 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. So think about it. Everybody that the Father gives to Jesus will come to him. And once they come, he will by no means cast out. So he cannot cast them out because they came to him um, and the Father has given it to him. Then in verse 38, it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but do but the will of him who sent me. Now, now is about to explain to us what the will is. And it's a two-part of what, what his will is. In verse 39, it says, This is the will of my Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. So everything and everyone that the father gives and leads to Jesus, he will by no means get rid of them. He will lose no one. He will lose nothing. He cannot lose nothing because the because God has given it to him. Now, this is the answer to what the will of the father is in reference to what, what was spoken in, in Matthew 7, verse 21. It says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So the will of the father is literally us believing in Jesus and that God sent him. So we have to believe that he's God sent. And we all should know, and I mean Christians, Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the word made flesh. He came down from heaven to do God's will so that we who believe in him, in his death, in his life, and in his resurrection, if we believe in it, he will keep us, hold us, and he will raise us up at the last day and we will have everlasting life. And that is the will of God. The will of God is simply us believing in Jesus Christ, who he sent for us. So whenever you're concerned about what the will of the God, what the will of God is, go back to these verses because it's telling you exactly what the will of God is. It's not, it's not something that you got to go and rush and find and, and work hard for and and pray, you know, nine hours a day to find out. The will of the Father is simply believing in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus takes care of every part of your life. Jesus was the substitute for all of the issues and the trials and the things that we go through in life. And he's the answer. He's the substitute that suffered for the bad that we've done. And he's the answer to all of the things that we're going to go through. So us believing in him and putting our trust in him is us taking on his identity. And now since we have his, his identity, God can treat us as he would Jesus because we have his exact identity. And that's why we can never, he can never get rid of us. And that's why he can never lose us because we become um, attached to him. His identity becomes ours. We're no longer ourselves. Like we're no longer whatever your name is. Uh, my name's Kevin. I'm no longer Kevin. I'm 
I'm I'm Kevin in the natural, but I'm Jesus in the spiritual. Like in G, in God's eyes, I am Jesus because I accepted what he has done. Although I'm living my life on earth as Kevin and I have things to, that I need to do as Kevin for the furtherance of God's kingdom, I'm no longer Kevin in God's eyes because Kevin has sinned with him. And since Jesus died to sin, sin no longer exists. And for sin to no longer exist, God has to put me in Christ so that I can receive the life of being sinless through what Jesus has done. Even though in the natural, I still might have some issues and sins that I'm dealing with, if that makes sense. All right, so now we know what the will of the Father is. That next part of Matthew 7, it talked about, uh, in verse 23, it says, And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. So remember, we're talking about Jesus, who's telling some people that he never knew them. Like he never knew them, which sounds harsh. Like it's, it's really sound like some people who were gen genuinely, you know, living their life for God, doing what they needed to do. And then God said, all right, well, you know, y'all did all right. But um, those few times that y'all really didn't do what y'all was supposed to do or that time you wasn't obedient, uh, it's not good enough. I never knew you. Bye. Like it's, it's almost like, like, man, like you, you just going to get rid of me like I'm like I'm nothing like I like I. Like, I haven't been here, you know, trying my best and, and doing the best I can. Like, you're just going to get rid of me, God. Like, that's just how it is. Like, why wouldn't a person be scared of that? Like, why wouldn't, if you don't have understanding of this verse, why wouldn't you be scared? Everybody should be, right? So, now let's answer this question about God saying, I never knew you. So, let's go to John chapter 10. And we're going to read verse 27 through 30, 27 through 30. Um, so follow me on this one. And oh, and, and by the way, I'm reading from the New King, New King James Version. Um, that's the book I'm reading from. So if you want to follow along or, or go back, I am reading from that version. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me the very first verse we get to in verse 27 it says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me God's sheep are those who has who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's who his sheep are. And he knows all of his sheep. He knows the ones who's, who's really accepted it. Like he knows the ones that might be pretending or it could be wolves in sheep's clothes, as the saying goes. But God really knows you can't get nothing over him. So this has nothing. It never said those who are continuing or or continue you know people who who keep messing up or, or have a struggle that's not what he's saying he's talking about talking about people who have genuinely accepted him or have not genuinely accepted him it's it's either or you're either in Christ or you're still in your flesh you're either in the spirit or you're in the flesh 
To be in the flesh is just to be who you are when you were born. To be in the spirit is to be in Christ. And you're in Christ by accepting what Christ did for you. That's the simple answer, right? So the next verse says, and I give them eternal life. So the sheep hears his voice. He knows them. They follow him and he gives them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So once we accept Jesus, we he knows us. He's given us. He gives us eternal life and we shall never perish or have anyone snatched snatch us out of his hand. So when you become a believer, you become you're in God's hand. You're in Jesus hand. He has you and you can never be taken out of his hand. You can't take yourself out of his hand and neither can anyone else. And verse 29 says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And now in these verses, Jesus is also proving that he is God himself and that in him, in his hand, no one can never be taken out of it. Once you, once you, he puts you in his hands, you can never be taken out of it. So what was happening in, in Matthew 7, the people that were talking, these weren't believers. In Matthew 7, these weren't people who actually put their trust in Jesus. If you think about it, they're the ones that was that was bragging about what they did in God's name. They're the ones that were saying, we did this in your name and we did this in your name. Okay, so did Judas, right? Judas did some did miracles in Jesus name with the other disciples. But Jesus but Judas never accepted who Jesus was, right? Like there are going there are people who can use God's name and do Christian things or do things that seem godly and 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 it might benefit people, it might do all these things, but that doesn't mean that they have accepted and humbled themselves to accept who Jesus is. And it's the, it's the easiest thing to do because, well, okay, I won't, as a human, it, as a human is kind of not the easiest thing to do because we have pride. But if you are already to the point where you realize that there's nothing good in you, accepting Jesus is the easiest because he's literally saying, I'm only accepting the people who are bad. I'm only accepting the people who, who are sick and who need me. I'm not accepting people who are good. God can't accept good people because in God's eyes, no one is good, right? And if you are good, you don't need God. And God doesn't need to save you because there's nothing to save you from because you're already good. And these people, instead of accepting who Jesus was... They were just trying to use his name to to uh, further their own agendas and and to further their own ideas of what what it means to to get to God or maybe just feel like they can earn their way to God by doing these things. So that's why they're bragging about what they've accomplished. They're bragging about, hey, God, I did this. Hey, God, I did that kind of saying like, hey, how are you going to get rid of me? Look at look at what I did in your name like look at all these things that i've done you know making it about them and they missed the fact that all god wanted to do is take away their sins 
and give them his perfection, his righteousness, so that they can have a forever relationship with him. But instead of accepting that, they were skewed and believing that they didn't have the sin problem that all of us have. They, they believe that they can overcome and follow some rules and, and get to God without accepting the only way that any of us can get to God um, in perfection, which is in, in Jesus Christ. And I mean, for me, when I when I was going through these verses and I was first learning about this, uh, it liberated me because I was always under the impression that you can lose your salvation uh, because you messed up too many times or uh, you, you made some mishaps or or you at, you forgot to ask God to forgive you uh, before you passed away. You know, many things. And there's there's so many more verses to talk about. Um, but scripture, if you want to read for yourself and read other way and read other letters, scripture always speaks against this false teaching and teaching people that you got to keep rules or, 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 um, or add to what Jesus has already done. And, and a lot of us that, that think the way that, or think on the side of losing, you are able to lose your salvation. Um, maybe not out of ill intent have somehow been convinced that there's a role that we play in this salvation game. And when you think that you have a role in the salvation game outside of your acceptance of what Jesus did, you're left to figure a lot of things out on your own. And there's no security in that. There's always an insecurity. If And God didn't allow Jesus to come down from heaven just so there would be insecurity amongst the people that he wanted to save. Because it already told us that whoever comes to him, Jesus would never lose them nor can he lose them. But based on some theology, if you feel like you can lose your salvation, then that means Jesus can lose you. So really, I'm really talking right now to people who have been insecure in your relationship with God, people who have uh, felt like you've messed up too many times or people who feel like they you can't just get it right. Um, the grace of God is what will lead you to change a changed life and and god says those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life so to reign in life meaning to rule in life to to elevate in life you have to receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and that means you have to continually receive god's grace to overcome those sinful behaviors that you might struggle with. And I use the word struggle because there's a difference between living and practicing and struggling. You can repeat a struggle, right? But that's not the way you desire to live. There's people who desire to live and practice a certain thing. And you have to now question those people to see if they're really believers or not. More times than not, they're, they're not believers because believers don't practice and try to get better at sinning. Believers do struggle with sin. But the believers that struggle with sin 
will struggle less and less as they receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So God's grace superabounds all of our sins and receiving his gift of righteousness, meaning God gives us a gift of being right with him. And God gives gives us a gift of being just as righteous as Jesus is by faith. And the more you receive it by faith and remind yourself that's who you are by faith, then you will be able to reign in life. This is found in Romans chapter five. I believe in verse 17 and 18, um, but you can verify that. Also, in Romans 6, it says, Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. So again, Paul is reminding us that grace is what overcomes sin. And the more we put ourselves under grace and God's grace, the less power sin has over us. But when we try to rule keep and be and 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 focus on our own obedience to God, sin will be increasing in our life. And it might not show up as sexual sins and fornication and doing, you know, doing things that we highlight, you know, killing people or whatever we highlight as as the major sins. You'll just become more prideful. Because think about it, the more you, if you rule keep and you think that you're keeping the rules, how can you not become more prideful? Because you're, you're literally going to think that you, you're earning it. And you might not say it out loud because you know that's not the thing to say, but you're going to start acting like it. And you're going to tr start treating other people who don't keep the rules the same way you do worse than you. Because you're no longer thinking about the grace that God's given you. So you're not going to have that love to give to somebody else. You're going to be encouraging people to rule, keep just like you as they're struggling and drowning. And they'll never overcome sin and the sins they have in their life because they're not receiving abundance of grace. They're trying to follow the law and follow the rules in order to overcome sin instead of receiving the grace. That is the only way we're going to have power to overcome sin. So I hope that that makes sense. I'm going to leave it there, but if you want to go back and listen and read these for yourselves, we went through Matthew 7, uh, verse 21 through 23. We answered the question, what is the will of the Father? And we answered the question about the uncertainty about God saying that he never knew us. And in John chapter 10 and John chapter 6, we answered both of those questions because we now know that Everybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ is known by God and can never now be unknown by God. And the will of the Father is simply us putting our trust in Jesus. And we, in that moment, in those, that moment that we put our trust in Jesus, we have done the will of the Father because that's his ultimate will. And as our relationship builds with him, he will show us what he wants us to do in our life and he'll show us how how he wants us to go about things and he'll show us and lead us and give us desires to go about the things and and get um and get things done and 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 knowing what he wants us to do is going to come through our relationship with him 
So anyway, um, this has been another episode of Forever Saved. Um, again, y'all can follow me on YouTube on the Forever Saved uh, YouTube channel, uh, Instagram uh, Forever Saved Five, and you can follow me on Facebook um, at Forever Saved Page. So uh, again, um, I hope this has been a good one. I look forward to speaking with some of you via social media and uh, to the next episode. It's the Vavasay Podcast. All right. Bye.